Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear your word and hands to do it to. Make our hearts desire to obey and follow you and seek your glory. Amen. Isn't it a wonderful feeling to feel like you fit in? To feel like you belong to something? We love being part of inside jokes and being comfortable around people. We love knowing who's who and what's happening around us. So much so that quite often we avoid people because we don't feel like we fit into that group or that group. Or we get confused because it's taking a while for us to fit into a into a group. Fitting in just means a lot to us. But the thing is, fitting in can also cause you problems. It can also be more trouble than it is worth. Take, for instance, my experience at my previous church. My previous church was a Korean church. While the service that I went to... Oh, by the way, I'm not Korean. (laughs) The service that I went to was in English. But the rest of the church was run in pretty much Korean. And so I decided that being a young and enthusiastic Christian, I was going to dive headfirst into the kids' ministry there because all my friends were serving there. But the problem was that serving in that kids' ministry was that maybe half the parents that were serving there couldn't speak English. Not wanting to draw attention to myself, I just bowed low. From the hips, because that's what my friends told me. And I always said, Annyeonghaseyo. I think, that's what, I think that's what they taught me to say. You can correct me after. And then I just smiled. You put your biggest smile on, and then when they're talking to you, when they pause and they look like they're waiting for an answer, you go, nah. And for weeks, maybe even a couple months, I got away with it. But after a while... They kept having conversations with me. And there's, so much, there's only so far where you can go, ah, ha, nah. <laughs> so eventually I needed to tell my friends, hey, you need to translate for me because these guys don't know that I'm not Korean. And it was very awkward after that, to say the least. So fitting in, not always the best thing. Today we look at a group in the Bible who compromise by fitting in. Compromise on Jesus and their trust in him. But to begin, we need to first understand where we are in this book. What is going on in this letter? So we're jumping all the way to chapter 6. But there's a bunch of stuff that's going on in Galatians before that. They're experiencing confusion. There is much trouble between the Jewish practices and the laws where the Gentile believers who are non-Jewish people have to follow Jewish traditions and There are people who are preaching a different gospel. They're called agitators. And Paul is writing this letter to clarify the matter, to clarify what the one true saving gospel is and how believers should behave, what commands believers should observe. And at this time, the church was going through persecution, being oppressed by the Roman Empire. They were viewed by Roman citizens as lesser human beings, as undesirable people. And worst of all, they were hunted by zealous Jews, enthusiastic Jews. They were being killed and stoned and forced to live in hiding. And so here we land at the crux of Paul's letter to the Galatians, the high point of the letter, the conclusion of all the arguments that he has made in this one letter, his argument against those who preach a false gospel. And here we have everything tied into this sweet ribbon 
of Paul's letter. Everything that the Galatians need to know. So if you can make sure you're all you, everyone's keeping their Bibles open to Galatians chapter 6 verse 11 so that you can follow with me through this high point of Paul's letter. So if you missed the five times that I said it, this is the high point of Paul's letter. And Paul says that he's writing it in large letters. He's saying, look, look at the large letters I'm writing with. Firstly, this is unusual because Paul usually uses a scribe. It's normal for people during this time because he gets someone who's gifted at writing. But Paul is actually writing this letter himself because of just how important the message is. So much so that he's writing at large so they don't miss anything. They will not miss the point of his message. Now, when I was during my HSC, I had actually injured my hand playing volleyball. And I needed a scribe to write my, all my essays and all my exams. And it was the most frustrating experience I had in my life. Because every time I wanted to write something, especially for maths exams, I'd explain it to the, to the scribe like 10 times, and then they get it remotely close to what I wanted it. It was just so annoying, and it would, would, have, would have been so much easier if I could just write it myself. It would have saved a lot of time, and it would have left a lot less room for miscommunication if I could just write it myself. And so Paul here has a message, and it's so important, which is why he's taking things into his own hands. He's writing it himself. Let's read from verse 11. <coughs> See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. And this important message that Paul himself is writing, this is what he has to say. That there's people who are trying to prove themselves by their flesh, by their outward, outward works, by what they can do, what they, they are able to do. They want to convince believers to get circumcised. They think that circumcision makes them superior and they're trying to impress people because they're the superior people and they've done all these great things. That is their circumcision. And this whole thing is confusing for the Galatians because unlike us, where a lot of us have learned that no, circumcision isn't that important to be a believer, to be a Christian, these Christians don't actually know how much of the law of Moses to follow, how much of it is relevant, how much matters. Does circumcision matter anymore? There are many questions that they still aren't sure about. But Paul, rather than challenging them intellectually, he sees that there is an underlying motive to why they're getting circumcised. And so Paul addresses the heart issue of what is going on. The heart issue of why these people are getting circumcised. And this, this reason is that they want to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now remember that I was mentioning that there were these enthusiastic Jews that were hunting and killing and stoning believers? Well, Paul was actually one of them. And he sees that the reason why these believers are getting circumcised is because if you can't beat them, you join them. If they're one of them, they're not going to attack the believers. They've done it to fit in. Now they are part of the Jews 
And so they won't be hunted and killed by the Jews. Can you see the compromise that they're making? Instead of remaining steadfast for Christ, they're choosing safety. They're choosing comfort. They're happy to compromise on the gospel for their own safety. They care more about fitting in than they do about Jesus. Let's see what's happening in verse 12. Verse 12. Those who want to impress people by means of flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason that they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. And by getting circumcised and trying to fit in, they've actually lost access to God. These people who have been circumcised are now trusting in circumcision. That means that they're trusting in their good deeds. They've started to believe that what they are doing is good enough. Good enough to get to God. Now they have to follow the whole law. This is what Paul has to say about circumcision in the very same letter. If you guys can flick to Galatians chapter 5 verse 3. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. What this means is that if you trust in circumcision, you have to follow all of the law to be right with God. That means you have to observe everything that God commands and you can't make any mistakes if you're going to reach God, if you're going to have any connection to God. But it's impossible. It's impossible to follow the whole law. These false teachers, they keep boasting, boasting about what they're able to do and they're trusting that they can get to God and what they do is enough and they're boasting because they're like, I can do this. I am able. And they've become so self-centered, so self-driven and they, it's all about what they can do. They're a bit like children when you tell them, hey, this is the easy way to do things and they're like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out my way. They want to figure it out their own way so that they can tell everyone that they've done it and they can brag about their own ability. Let's look at verse 13 and see what Paul says about these people. Verse 13, not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. And you know, Paul, having been circumcised, having gone through the Jewish system, growing up as a young Jewish boy, he sees even he couldn't observe the whole law. Even he couldn't follow all of God's law. So he boasts in the cross. He boasts in the cross. And this is the second time that Paul is talking about the cross of Christ. Paul is mentioning this in the short span of a few verses, and it's because it's the most important thing. It's the thing that holds this entire passage together. What is the cross of Christ? We hear about it. The cross of Christ, we see crosses, we wear it around our necks, we stick it up on top of church buildings. But what is the cross of Christ? We're so familiar with crosses, but to the people who are hearing this here, the cross is absolutely bizarre. Now, imagine if I were to say, I will boast 
in the electric chair of my Savior. Or, I will boast in the guillotine of my Savior. Or how about this? I will boast in the hanging of my Savior. It's not just a little bit unusual. It's horrible. And I hope these examples disgust you because these are examples of human life being murdered and killed violently. We are not used to seeing this every day. And we shouldn't be because they're jarring to see these things, to think of such vile concepts of death. Well, the cross was actually the same. It was just as vile, just as violent, just as morbid. And I believe that Paul's actually using this jarring nature of a horrible death to watch because there is something important about the cross of Christ. It's more than just a torturous, excruciating way of dying. It's more than the horrific scene of a bloody man on a tree. It's more than the sight of a pure agony because it's the only reason and the one and only reason that reconciliation to God could be achieved. Not by what we could do, but Christ taking the place of sinners so that men may be right with God. Gentiles and Jews both could come to God because they had been made righteous by Jesus' atoning sacrifice. Paul knew that he could not boast in anything greater than this work, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knew he couldn't do it himself. And this is why Paul can't boast anything else but Jesus Christ. Let's look at Paul's only boast in verse 14. Verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul doesn't boast in his own circumcision. He doesn't boast in it because it's not much to boast about. It's not much when Christ has begun something even greater. Christ has begun a, new, begun a new creation. Christ's work has begun the redemption of the world that will one day be completed in the coming new age when heaven and earth will be one, where there will be no more sin, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more pain. Paul considers it a waste of time to consider thoughts on circumcision and uncircumcision when there are greater things to focus on. This is why Paul boasts in Jesus Christ, because greater things are coming, because of what Christ has done on the cross. Why focus on this little piece of skin on a male's genitals when the whole world is going to be transformed? Why focus on a promise of Abraham that is small compared to an even greater promise that is coming? They've missed the point. They've completely missed the point. Now, when I think of people who have missed the point, I think of people who post reviews online. Now, I've been planning a honeymoon at the end of the year, and We've been spending hours and hours looking at different hotels and tour services. And one of the things that we're going to do is go to Ha Long Bay in Vietnam. And people are known to just spend one or two nights there on a cruise ship. Now, as I've spent time looking at reviews for cruise services, I saw this 5 out of 10 review that just caught my eye. And here's what they had to say. It was pretty ridiculous. Service and food were amazing. We loved our stay on the boat. 
Anna Pham was our guide and we cannot recommend her enough. But the only reason we scored 5 out of 10 was because there is so much pollution in the bay and the view was average. Just a bunch of cliffs and trees and if you don't mind the trouble of dirty water and hot weather while staring at many other boats, then you will enjoy this holiday. What do you mean? A bunch of cliffs and trees. That's why people go to Halong Bay, because it's a beautiful piece of natural scenery. These guys have completely missed the point. And just like the circumcision boasters, these foolish travelers have missed the point of the beauty of Halong Bay. The circumcision boasters have missed the beauty of the gospel. A new creation is coming, and here they are trying to boast in themselves and puff them up with what they have done when they could be boasting in a far greater work, the saving work of Christ Jesus that brings a new age, a new creation, they've missed the point, the entire point of what boasting in the cross of Christ can do. Can we see it in verse 15? Let's read verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. And so, with that, Paul then offers his peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, offering it to Israel, the Israel of God, calling everyone that he is talking to Israel. And so he's addressing that confusion between Jews and Gentiles and showing that there is no barrier, there is no distinction between the two because all are one as Israel, all are God's nation and all are God's people because of Jesus. And if all are one in Israel, then no one should cause any more trouble because everyone should be united through Jesus. Read with me in verse 16. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And in closing, Paul blesses the reader of the letters letter wishing grace because grace is all that this letter has been about the grace received through christ jesus is generous grace that is worth boasting about this grace purchased by the cross of christ look to verse 18 the grace of our lord jesus christ be with your spirit brothers and sisters amen so what have we seen in this letter from Paul. We've seen a group of people who have missed the point of the gospel and they've tried to fit in by being circumcised to avoid being persecuted. People who have compromised what they believe in to fit in. But then Paul says that the cross of Christ is more important than fitting in because it's the only way to Christ, the only way to be saved. Now, when I think of people who have stood firm for the cross of Christ, that have kept boasting in the power of Christ, I think of the fathers of the Protestant movement. I think of per people in church history who have stuck strong and who have protested against the Catholic movement to say, here is what the Bible says, Jesus only saves. You probably know of people like Wycliffe who translated the Bible into English or Martin Luther or John Calvin, some famous people. But a lesser-known reformer, as we call them, 
is a man called Jan Hus, a priest in the Czech Republic in the early 1400s. So in that time, it was during the Crusades. So if you're not familiar with the Crusades, it's when the Pope would send people to take over the Holy Land because it, was, it should have been rightfully theirs because they were the people of God. And the Pope would say this. He would say, if you go out on the Crusade, you will spend less time getting punished before you reach heaven. You will face less of God's wrath and God's punishment. So you, they were paying, they were pretty much going out for God's forgiveness. So basically the Pope was saying three things underlying that. So one, that he can give forgiveness from God. Two, that forgiveness will come if you do something. And three, forgiveness isn't just a freely given gift from Christ. It was so bad that churches were paying, like were selling forgiveness. They were selling things called indulgences, where pretty much you could just pay the church for less time being punished by God. And now here's Jan Hus, who went to priesthood, and he realized as he studied the scriptures that the scriptures were teaching something other than what the Catholic Church was teaching. He realized that the Bible was the ultimate and final authority that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And he kept preaching that, and he grew, and he grew, and he had many followers, but as he grew, he lost even the support of his own king. He lost his own citizenship to his own country. He said the Pope was wrong and that Jesus was the final arbiter, that Jesus was the final judge. And so after being, after being arrested many times, he was told to recant, to take back what he had said about the Pope and about what he said about the Bible. But in his final words, before he was killed by the king, all he had to say was, Lord Jesus, it is for thee that I patiently endure this cruel death. I pray thee to have mercy on my enemies. Jan Hus understood that it was only Jesus that could get him to heaven. And so Jan Hus didn't try to fit in. He tried, didn't try to fit in and become a citizen again by taking back what he had said about the Pope, about the Bible, about Jesus. And ultimately, it cost him his life. You know, if Jan Hus just retracted his statements about the Pope and the Bible and Jesus, he would have easily lived. But he chose a harder path. It would have been easy just to take things back, and it would have just been easy to keep on living, happy chappy, for the rest of his life. But Jan Hus, he decided to boast in the cross of Christ, Because Hus knew that if he were to deny the saving work of Christ, then he would be condemned to hell. Because he would be then relying on what he would be able to do, on paying indulgences and going on crusades to forgive his sins, which wouldn't even save his sins. He wouldn't have had eternal life with God and no hope of resurrection. He knew that fitting in meant that he would compromise on the truth and he would compromise on his commitment to God that the cross of Christ was far more important, far more powerful than anything that these Czech oppressors could do to him. Jan Hus boasted in the cross because Jan Hus knew that only Christ could forgive his sin. Now, 
I want to encourage everyone here. Because many of us here have been slandered, been laughed at, mocked, had people say bad things about you behind your back. Maybe some friendships that you've had since childhood have been challenged and become tense, or you've lost friends, or you've even hurt family in the process of committing yourself to Christ. Following Christ isn't easy business. It means that you're different. It means that you're set apart. And sometimes it means that you seem foolish or stupid to your friends. I've had people tell me that the book of the Bible, it's a fiction story. Or, haha, you believe in fairies too, Audric? There is so much hurt that we as Christians have experienced from following Christ. But you know what? The promise of Christ and what it offers is far greater, far more spectacular than anything this world can offer. Anything that I can earn or gain in my lifetime, no riches, no comfort can beat what the cross of Christ offers. And this is why I boast in the cross of Christ. And I speak from experience here. It hasn't been easy for me. I come from a family of devout Catholic believers, and they are wonderful parents. I have wonderful parents, but I've chosen to be Protestant. And that's caused so much heartache for my mom, who had dreamed of having a nice Catholic boy grow up and have a successful job. But instead, I've chosen to follow a path of ministry. I've had arguments and fights with my mom about what was best for me. But at the end of the day, I could not help but stay strong and boast in the cross of Christ because I have complete confidence that Christ has purchased my sin, paid my debt, and taken my punishment. It is this truth that can free us from sin. And so we need a boast in the cross. And that means remembering that what the cross has done for us, how the cross is everything to our faith. Without the cross, we have no sacrifice for our sin. Without the cross, we have no reconciliation. Without the cross, all we have is wrath and condemnation of a God who hates sin. He absolutely is loathing and repulsed by our sin. And so by fitting in the world, we risk losing Jesus. We risk losing all that is important to us. Friends, it is okay not to fit in. And the reason why we shouldn't be worried about what people say, about what we believe in, is because our hope is greater. We hope in something greater. And the world has been crucified to me as I to the world. The world is dead to me. Instead of trying to fit in, we should be thinking, how can I stand out for Jesus? Because Jesus is everything. We should be thinking, the cross is everything, so how can I bring attention to this great news? In Connect Kids, the kids' ministry that we have here, we've been looking at, we've been listening, we've been learning a song, sorry, as we've been learning through the book of 2 Timothy. And there's been one song that pretty much is the same line like 50 times because that's what kids' church songs are like. It goes, Jesus is the best good news. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Because Jesus is the best good news. There's nothing more to add to that. He is the greatest news. And so we want to boast of this great news because we know that everything that the world has to offer compared to what Christ offers us is nothing. 
We boast in the cross of Christ because we know that we have something far more important than anything in this world. Far more important than fitting in this world. Far more important than being part of an in-joke and feeling belonged to another group. We don't need to fit in. We don't need to fit in. But we need to boast in Christ. We need to boast in Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us be boasters in Christ. Strengthen our faith that we would not succumb to trying to fit into the world and compromise on what your good news promises to us. Help us boldly proclaim in all that we do, confident that your promises ring true always forever. Amen.